This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This week's episode of Sounds Good is brought to you by the folks who make my podcast happen, Gradient. They recently launched their full editorial website filled with tons of articles advancing identity and culture. Go check it out at gradient.is. That's gradient.is. Hello, everyone. Brandon Harvey here. Welcome to this week's episode of Sounds Good, the podcast where every single Monday I sit down with an inspiring person and talk about happiness, overcoming struggles, and living a life of intentionality and adventure. This week, I'm in the studio in Nashville, Tennessee, sitting across from one of my heroes, Jeremy Cowart. If Jeremy's name sounds familiar, it might be because he recently shared his life story in the form of a 25-minute video, and more than 2 million people have watched it. Jeremy is a celebrity photographer working with some of the biggest names in the world. I just scrolled through his website really quick and came out with this list. Okay, get ready. Yo-Yo Ma, Iron and Wine, Hayden Panettiere, Kelly Clarkson, Need to Breathe, Brandi Carlisle, Imogen Heat, Britney Spears, The Civil Wars, Brad Paisley, Meta World Peace, Taylor Swift, Darius Rucker, Zachary Levi, Joel McHale, and The Kardashians. Nuts. Absolutely crazy. I first liked Jeremy for his incredible photography abilities, but quickly came to admire him for the impact that he chose to make around the world using his platform, talents, and passions. He started a nonprofit called Help Portrait, worked with genocide survivors in Rwanda, and gave a voice to Haitians in the aftermath of the 2010 earthquake. On top of that, Jeremy is an incredibly humble, generous, and hopeful person. And we'll be getting into all of this in the show, so let's jump straight into things. All right, everybody. I am here in the studio with one of my favorite people, Jeremy Cower. Welcome to Sounds Good. Thank you, dude. Good, so good to be here. This is super fun. We, I think that you and I have spent more time uh, in New York City together than we've spent time in Nashville. It's true. We both it's, live in the same city. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely true. We got asked to go on the same super random gig. Yeah, and had a blast. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. And, <laughs> Uh, almost a year ago, you and I were Bollywood dancing in Portland too. That's true. So, <laughs> Forget about that. So we good memory. We've got we've got a lot of weird random memories, and yes. this is one of our few in town, which is yeah. This is great. Yeah, it's awesome. I don't know if I've told you this before, but you were the reason that I joined Twitter in crazy 2008. Yeah. You were like gearing up to basically go to President Obama's inauguration. That's right. And you were gonna like live tweet it. You did a photo shoot there with. Uh, our friend Donald Miller and uh-huh. uh, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna fall. I'm gonna join Twitter so I can see what's <laughs> happening at this at the inauguration." That's awesome. So cool. And uh, and so thank you for uh, getting me hooked on an app. Yeah, and you're probably the only person that is uh, w- making me want to join Snapchat. Finally, <laughs> <laughs> years later, after everybody else has joined, that's okay. I think uh-huh. I think Snapchat will be around for a while, so you got plenty of time to join. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, dude. And and I, I've just really, really admired you for a long time. The ways that you've used your platform, the ways that you've used social media, the ways that you've used your talents and abilities to make an impact in the world. And so when I started the podcast, I was like, okay, Jeremy is a no brainer to have on the show. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, you got started into photography in kind of a weird way in some ways. You grew up uh, and, okay, well, let's back up and just say, you've got a video that uh, that is basically the story of your life yeah. and it's got more than 2 million views online right now. 2 million people have watched your story and you kind of outline all this. Like, that's amazing. It's pretty crazy, yeah. I just, uh, uh, I drew it. I drew my story because yeah, I realized... On, on a live stage, I couldn't remember a talk, you know, I just had such a bad memory. So I thought, man, it'd be cool to draw my story and do that live and narrate this time-lapse illustration. And then I kept redoing it for a few years and then finally I was like, okay, it's ready for the internet. And I finally put it out there and uh, I'm excited to see the way it's been received. It's been blowing up. And yeah, it's cool. And in that video, you get into this idea that like growing up, you, you, you kind of sucked at school. You know, mm-hmm. you were getting really bad grades in school and Mm -hmm. it wasn't until one day you kind of essentially picked up a camera and picked up a photography for dummies book that you started to kind of jump into this thing and be like, I can, I can really do this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of artists, you just grow up and think you're not capable of much and everybody else is smarter and has got their act together and you're just a weird artsy kid and just feel like you'll never amount to much. And that was my story. And so, yeah, it's been a, a long journey of overcoming the words I can't. Yeah. So that's and and it's been kind of a testament to the fact that you can. You've photographed Taylor Swift, the Kardashians, you photographed Sting. Um it's pretty cool stuff. Like that's not a bad deal. Yeah, it's been a man, that first year especially being becoming a photographer was a crazy ride. And and now I truly appreciate it because now I understand how hard those gigs are to get. And at the time they were literally just falling in my lap, like man. coming out of nowhere. So <laughs> Yeah, it was a crazy year. Well, and the cool thing, though, is that you didn't just stop there. Like, you you decided to basically start a nonprofit for photographers to give back. That's called Help Portrait. You photographed Rwandan genocide survivors who forgave people that murdered their family. You documented the hope on the ground in Haiti after, like, their crippling earthquake several years ago. But you've also, at the same time, you know, you were like, you toured with Britney Spears. You know, you've had this interesting contrast. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you can you can tell me about that weird, bizarre contrast of like shooting the stars, but also, you know, working with some of the most neglected people in the world too? Yeah, absolutely. I, d- I just love it. You know, I feel like, uh, you know, everybody says, oh, travel the world and do all these things. Well, I feel like meeting different people is traveling the world. You don't have to literally travel the world just by meeting different cultures mm. and different types of people. To me, that is traveling the world by by meeting Britney Spears and the Kardashians and then by meeting the poorest of the poor and third world countries. Like, I love all of those experiences and they all just make me a better dad, a better friend, a better person. And so I love to consume as much as I can. Um, in fact, I just photographed Joel Osteen this past week again, and the internet loses it when I shoot that guy. Yeah, you yeah. Know, they lose it. Um, they they assume that like just because I photographed him that I agree with everything he says and that I'm a supporter and all this stuff. And it's so funny because I'm just it's just another job. I'm just hired to photograph Joel like I was hired to photograph Britney Spears. Anyway, so but like even a guy like Joel. I love having those experiences because yeah. they all make me just a, a better person and I love learning about what other people believe. Totally. Yeah. No, I mean, mm. 
honestly, I don't love a lot of the stuff that Joel Osteen, a fairly controversial figure, mm-hmm. has to say. But I saw you post a photo, that photo on Instagram, and you're like, hey, I photographed Joel Osteen. He is controversial, but he was super nice. He helped yeah. carry my team's bags. Like, mm-hmm. he, he, I loved working with him. And that's my favorite stuff. My favorite people are the people who are willing to be challenged. They're willing to put their mind in a different place and be like, okay, like what is beautiful about this thing that I maybe don't agree with? Right. And you do that really, really well. Well, thanks. Yeah. I love always, you know, so people kept saying, yeah, he's, uh, you know, he might be nice, but he does all these terrible things. Like what a terrible way to look at life. Yeah. Like I hope nobody is looking at me and says his photos might be nice, but He's got all this negative stuff, you know, totally. like that's just a terrible lens to look at people through. So yeah. I just choose to stop at the positive. He's nice. You know, he had a great experience with him. Exactly. N- enough said. I think that the moment that I really knew that I loved your work was when you went to Haiti. You know, Haiti had this terrible earthquake and all these news reports were basically saying there's no hope in Haiti. Haiti is just like really, really dark right now. There were just all these news reports of all the brokenness, all the death, all the all the pain and you basically say i think that there's more to it mm-hmm. and you showed up on the ground and you you started to document that mm-hmm. yeah just uh was watching cnn and all the reports and everybody it was just all statistics it didn't feel like to me anybody was really interviewing the people to really get their thoughts i just had this overwhelmed this is when twitter was still fairly new and it certainly wasn't a big thing in third world countries um, and so I was like, man, what if those people could tweet right now? Like, what would they be saying? And so, yeah, I had the idea to go down there and like create these visual tweets where they pick up pieces of rubble and write down their thoughts and uh, photograph it. So yeah, it was pretty amazing. I love that one you had where it was this couple and they were going to get married. The earthquake happened mm-hmm. and they basically went forward with their wedding and she's got her white dress and it's yeah. a little bit dirty and he's in, if I remember correctly, a suit mm-hmm. and they're holding a paper plate from what was going to be their wedding party. And it, I mean, they still had it, but what did it have on there again? What did it say? Well, yeah, li- we literally walked up to the wedding after driving around forever trying to find it. The sun was setting, it was super dark and there was, the church had been destroyed. The church they were getting married in was literally in pieces behind them, just utterly destroyed. So they got married in a little patch of grass next to it with a few family members. And when we pulled up, there was literally one single paper plate, like just sitting there, like left over in the wedding. And so I picked up that paper plate and I gave it to him. And I said, so what do you have to say to the world? And explain to him what we're doing. And they ended up writing on that paper plate, like love conquers all. Whoa. And in that moment, in the midst of dead body, like you could literally smell death. There were dead bodies still laying everywhere and Build it, everything was destroyed. And for them to say that in that moment was just truly astounding. Like <laughs> I can never I can never top that wedding photo because that moment, the story, it just in fact I want to get take that Haitian writing from that paper plate and make that my first tattoo. Wow. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty pretty rad. Dang, that's good. Yeah. And you'll get that as like a little <clears throat> tramp stamp, like lower back. Either a tramp stamp or across my forehead. One yeah. of the two. Those are yeah. good, yeah. yeah. I mean if you want to get matching ones, I can do that too with you. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That'll I'm be in. really cute. Cool. I'm in. Uh, <laughs> so something that I've really loved about you is that you, through this whole process, you've shared your life in a really, really open way. You, like you've had hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people who know the ins and the outs of your life. Uh, they know about your process of uh, working for years to adopt your two kids from Haiti. They know about uh, your brother passing away 
a, a little bit more than a year ago and kind of the process of grieving through that. They've seen your dreams. They've seen uh, your projects, your campaigns. Like, wh- what has been your philosophy? Like, why have you decided to share things so openly? I think you do that better than anybody else I've seen. I don't really know because I don't... It's a strange thing. Like, before social media... I was a social media guy. What I mean by that is I started a group uh, before, way before any social media called the 615, and it was a group of Nashville web designers, and there were hundreds of us, and we would uh, email all day, all day long. And it was basically like Twitter, what Twitter's now or Facebook, but it was all emails. And then I started a group of uh, a bunch of Nashville people. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say this because we came up with the name mocking ourselves called the peeps <laughs> like we were totally kidding but somehow it just caught and uh so i was the creator of that little group so i've always been basically a herder i love to herd people i love community i love bringing people together and even in high school i was that guy just to just to get people together and so i've just always been a person that loves to to herd and social media just amplifies that and it makes it so much easier for me to do so you know, even without the followers and the whatever, I shouldn't say fame because I don't think either of us are famous, um, but our little platforms, you know, to me, fame is like when you get recognized everywhere you go. Yeah. Like yeah. Beyonce's famous, right? <laughs> you know, Taylor Swift was famous. Um, anyway, so I've just always had this community thing in my blood. And, yeah. And maybe that's from growing up. My, my parents were the people that had youth group at our house and there were literally you know 100 people at our house every week so i've just always been used to that like super social life you know that's awesome yeah Yeah. well and do you feel like there's been any downside to that or has it been all upside you know like is there are there struggles that come with sharing your life so openly yeah i mean there are always like haters and there are always people you know saying negative things and uh, it is hard to tune that stuff out you know as john acuff says 99 compliments plus one insult equals one insult yeah like it's so easy to tune out the 99 compliments and only hear that negative voice um but yeah you just kind of i mean the more you do the bigger you become or the more well known that you're only going to get more negativity so people don't like others to succeed you know so um just is what it is. But other than that, I don't have too many negative stories. I mean, um, you know, I just, I just am not afraid of failure. Like I love pursuing new ideas and something in me is just not afraid to fall flat on my face anymore. And I'm just like, screw it. I'm going to, if I have an idea and I believe in it, my friends believe in it, my wife believes in it, then I'm going to go for it. That's huge. Is there ever any fear that you have with sharing? Like, like sharing these ideas openly? Are you afraid that like people are ever going to steal it? Like does the creator and you ever like freak out about that? Absolutely. In fact, uh, I've got this hotel idea I'm pursuing. And uh, I mean, just last year I I had the idea to add the hotel to the talk I've been doing live. And you talk about fear. You talk about like utter devastation and everybody's going to think I'm an idiot to get up in front of thousands of people and say, Hey guys, uh, I'm going to build a global hotel chain. Is that cool? (laughs) Like what a crazy, stupid thing to say. That's how, that's how I felt. But I just kept feeling this like unbelievable 
like, I have to do this. I have to share this idea. Even if some hotel people are not in and say, steal it, like, I don't care. I'm just going to share this idea. And in the talk, I say, you have to speak your dreams into existence. And so that's what I've been doing. I've been speaking that dream into existence. And literally every email I get now about this project and from in, uh, investors or developers or whoever it is, they all say, I heard you do this talk at so-and-so Dang. conference or whatever. I heard you do it. I heard your passion, and I want to. I'm in. I want to be involved. Wow! And so, literally, that's how it's coming to life. Is just me speaking it, like yeah. just me saying it. I'm gonna do this. I mean, I've hung out with you before after you've spoken, and people will just walk up to you and they'll say, like, "Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. I really connected with that. That inspired me to share, you know, my dreams. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's something powerful. I think that you've. You know, some of that, some of those people are total strangers who are hearing your story for the first time. But at the same time, you've also created, like you said, you're you're a gatherer, you're a herder. Um, you've created a really special community online. Well, thanks. Yeah, I don't, I, I never, still don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and as as have you, by the way. Um, so yeah, you just kind of you just kind of do things you believe in and try to stay positive. And yeah, I think uh, if you do those two simple things, people are going to follow. You know, people are going to listen. Yeah. Yeah, so. you. I mean, you've absolutely remained positive on social media. You're not a complainer. Do you feel like you have a little bit of a social media philosophy that you apply to what you share, what you don't share? Not per se. Like I've heard some, you know, quote unquote experts out there saying you got to have this, you got to have that. And I have no like official strategy. But in general, you know, there are definitely dark days where I want to just get pissed off and be honest on social media and complain about stuff. And ultimately, I always go back and delete those tweets because I'm like, man, I've, I'm such a lucky person. I'm such yeah. a so um, I, I hesitate to say hashtag blessed, but you know, <laughs> but just to just to have be doing a job that I love, to have a healthy family, to have health myself, to man, and just uh, there's nothing I have to complain about. So um, I try to stay positive, and every once in a while, I do you know I do go negative, and I end up deleting <laughs> that stuff. Like we all have yeah. bad, we all have bad days, but man, yeah, I just try to st- you know stay humble and um, just be positive. So that's yeah. about it. It's about the end of my strat- strategy. I love it. I yeah. love it. Well, I and I remember you saying this a few years ago, and I think that it really inspired me. You talked about this idea that like we're the first generation where our kids are going to be able to scroll back through our timelines and see what our lives were like online and they'll be able to see what we put out in the world. And I, that is constantly what I'm thinking about where I'm like, okay, like what this stuff is going to live forever. Wh- who am I communicating that I am? How am I communicating what I care about to, you know, my grandchildren? How crazy is that? Man, I can't tell you. I literally think about that every single day. Cause now that I have a 10 year old and an eight year old, um, I, you know, there's a whole world of people that were hurt by the words their mom and dad said growing up. But I, I'm like predicting the future here. But I feel like one day there's going to be a whole world of people who were hurt later in life by the things they discover on the Internet that the parents said about them growing up. Ooh. Like, you know what I mean? Like every time I tweet about my children or Instagram, I'm trying to speak life as if I'm telling them. Like, if you can't tell them that in person, don't put it online. Because one day, who knows what they're going to Google, what they're going to be curious about, who knows what post could pop up. And if you're saying something, you know, because I know a lot of people, like, will mock their children, like, oh, I can't believe he's being such a pain in the ass today. Like, there, there's 
things like that said all the time. I'm like, man, one day your kids are going to read that. Like, yeah. And we just, I just think we have to be so careful as parents, like to really only speak life into our children, even to the public online. Yeah, that's good. Anyway, so something I think about literally every time I post about my kids. And I also, I'm trying to like, you know, I've got a daughter that's really photogenic and I shoot her a lot. <laughs> but I'm realizing like, man, I got to like even post about my kids evenly. So one day, like my children don't think, oh, he loved, you know, my sister more than he loved me. And that's, of course, not the truth. Yeah. I love all my children equally. But, you know, just things you think about as a parent. Man, that's fascinating. And yeah. okay, yeah, so you've got two biological kids, mm-hmm. uh, but you just adopted two kids from Haiti. Mm-hmm. Um, you describe that as one of like that whole process of adoption and kind of bringing them to the States as one of the most difficult but most rewarding things you've ever done. Like, break that down for me. Uh, yeah, it could, <laughs> it could be a more true statement. Like, it is the most rewarding because you're taking two people who just didn't have families and we're going to live a very, very, very hard life in Haiti. And you've, you're giving them a new family. You're giving them loving parents and, and loving siblings, but you're also getting your butt kicked. I mean, it is, um, it's hard to talk about it honestly, cause I would never want to talk anybody out of adoption. Yeah. Um, but the truth is it's hard. I mean, the truth is it's, it's, <laughs> it can be brutally hard. And for us, it's been good because our, our daughter's been a really smooth transition and really easy, and our son's been really difficult. And if it had just been our daughter, we'd be like, oh, adoption is so easy and great. Everybody go adopt. And we had nothing, nothing bad to say. And if it had just been our son, we'd say, oh, it's terrible. It's so hard. Don't ever adopt. And But because we have both experiences, it just means that every child truly is different. Like every soul is so different. Every background, what they go through as children is so different. And, um, but man, yeah, it's, uh, it, I say it's brutal because it's brutal and it's beautiful. So, uh, but yeah, it's just one day at a time. You're just That's trying incredible. to keep, keep pouring life in these kids. And I now understand grace more than I've ever That's understood true. that word. Cause it is, you just constantly reminding myself to forgive, to forgive, to forgive. Um, cause our, our little boy, like he wants to make your day as hard as it can be, you know? So, uh, but yeah, but he, he's a really sweet kid. He has a beautiful heart and, uh, you know, he's just got, he's had got a hard pass and we got to yeah. help him walk through that. Yeah. They're hardcore and they, they learned English. How fast again? Oh, like in, it was like a month. They were <laughs> like starting to speak oh. English and then about two months it was all English. It was insane. Man. Yeah. You get, I remember you saying like, yeah, we're trying to like speak a little bit of like French Creole and, and that we're going to try to get them to speak a little bit of English and yeah. they totally beat you guys. Like, oh yeah. They, yeah. they were speaking English before you guys learned it, any it was, French Creole. It was Creole. insane. In fact, just the other day I was like, do y'all know any French, can you speak French Creole? Like, do you remember? Because <laughs> I want them to remember their, their heritage and their language and they, they wouldn't, I don't know if they couldn't, but they wouldn't do it. Like I think kids just get in America and they want to be like the other kids Yeah, and they're almost ashamed of their past where we obviously want to celebrate it, but they don't think that way. So they just want to, you know, be an American now, which is, uh, you know, which has its positives and negatives. But, um, anyway, but yeah, they spoke English in no time. It was crazy, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Your kids are awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we had talked about this before, but like you're freaking launching a hotel. Uh, <laughs> you told me about this idea like a few years ago when mm-hmm. we first met in Nashville. And I was like, this is amazing. And I was also blown away. I was like, why is he telling me this? Like I could go start this hotel. Obviously I can't start this hotel. Um, but you, like you've done an amazing job of bringing this to life. Like 
break this down for me. Tell me about this vision. Well, yeah. I mean, for one, I'd never cared about the hotel industry. <laughs> one ounce. No, I no. Never thought about That's it. That's super weird that you do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I had a meeting a few years ago with Visco, actually. We were shooting a video in LA for Visco. A little, this is when they were first starting uh, a little promo video. Um, and thanks to that video, they're now successful. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 totally kidding. Uh, but anyway, we had a meeting in a hotel room and uh, I just remember the room number said, hello, my name is room 121, like a name tag. For some dumb reason or divine reason, um, I just saw that name tag and I just started rethinking the name tag. Like, man, what if a room number had a story attached? And as a lonely traveler, you felt connected to this room's story. Yeah. And then instantly I was like, what could the story be? Well, duh, of course it could be, it could sponsor a child. So I reimagined that room number as a child's face with their name and their story. And then I was like, man, every room in this building could could have a child attached and you could sponsor the child. And so basically I realized that every room could, you know, give a dollar or two a night to a child sponsorship. But then instantly, again, this was in a business meeting for a video. And I didn't, li- I, apparently I didn't listen to anything we talked about because all I could do was envision this hotel. Because um, after immediately after that, it was like, man, the TV could show really cool documentaries on social change. The internet fee could fight human trafficking. The soaps, the linens, the everything in the room could come from nonprofits. And the art on the walls could be Brandon Harvey and Austin Mann and Esther Havens and you know all these great artists I know. And uh, I just started like reimagining every detail of the hotel. The room service could could feed a child in need. You know, like everything could be doing something. And right now, hotels to me, granted, they're cool and they, you know, you're able to relax and, you know, get a good night's rest. But ultimately, to me, they're kind of boring. So I just started reimagining a hotel from ground up. And that's why I share it, because, like, no hotel could adopt or steal this idea because they'd have to start from ground zero. Yeah. Like any hotel can add a cause these days, and some of them are. But this is, like... We're, we're reinventing it inside out from the yeah. business model to the way the room service works to the maids to the staff. Everything is different. So, man, yeah, it's really exciting. That's crazy. <laughs> to, uh, exciting is an understatement. Like I've never been so fulfilled. I've never believed in something so much like this is this is why I'm here. Yeah. This is what I'm supposed to do. And how crazy is it that your path, you know, you went from basically being a C and D student to mm-hmm. becoming a little bit of a graphic designer, to becoming a photographer for celebrities, to kind of starting some nonprofits and some social stuff and becoming a little bit more of an artist. And now you're starting like a hotel chain. Mm-hmm. Like you could not have been like, oh, like I'm in the seventh grade and I see my vision. I see my dream. I'm going to go to college and I'm going to learn about how to start a hotel. And I'm like, if you had f- like gone down the traditional path, you would not be where you are today. Yeah, yeah, most likely that's that's for sure. Yeah, it it all it all leads to to something, and I just keep I just keep stepping, just keep walking, truly walking in faith. And I mean, I, I never knew how to become a photographer, never knew how to start a nonprofit. You just start doing, you know. You just uh, I just love doing stuff, even if it fails. And I have done things that have failed, you know. And I, I truly am so grateful for those because I still learned a ton. You know, the OK Do This app we did, um, people are still using it. It's got an audience, um, but I wouldn't call it like a smashing success either. Um, and you've obviously been super involved in that uh, as well. 
And I'm super proud of it. And I'm so thankful for the gazillions of things I learned over the course of that four years that we made a social network. Yeah. That's crazy how much I learned. I think that's a really powerful idea, this idea that it's important to fail. Like you would not be where you are today without a bunch of failures, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And like on the photography side of things, I know this for sure. I learned way more from the shoots that suck than the shoots that are amazing that everybody talks about. Oh, for sure. No doubt. Like you and I have been on shoots together where we're like, oh, this is really difficult. Like we're having a really hard time here. (laughs) And uh, and that's been such a good learning process for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Man, like they're... In fact, I'm actually embarrassed of most of the published work I have out there. <laughs> I don't even like it. And, yeah. and, and that's, I think that says something because your published work is fantastic. Like it's beautiful from my perspective. And so it's, I think that also just shows a sense of ambition, a sense of growth. And there's, oh man, do you know that Ira Glass quote where it's like the Ira Glass quote where basically Which one? Uh, he basically says, and I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I'm, I Googled this. I pulled this up. I <laughs> wish that I had this memorized. But he says, nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone had told me. All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste. But there's this gap. For the first couple of years you make stuff, it's not that good. It's trying to be good. It has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have this special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you are just starting out or you're still in this phase, you got to know that it's normal. And the most important thing you can do is do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you finish one piece. It's only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap. And your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took longer to figure out how to do this than anyone I've ever met. It's going to take a while, but it's normal to take a while. You got to fight your way through it. And I mean, this is specifically talking about like beginners, but I think it's a process for anybody doing creative work, anybody doing any work that is outside the rule book. Yeah. I mean, that quote is literally spot on. I mean, I, I don't, I don't like anything really. I'm not proud of hardly (laughs) any of the work, especially commercially. Like I still, there's an artist in me that has still not come out yet. Uh, And being an artist for 15 years now, like the work that I want to be, like the visual work that I want to be doing has still never gotten out of my system. And I've known that for the whole time. But when you're a leader, a family of six, like you got to provide, I got to do commercial work. I got to shoot for clients and pay the bills. But I don't like any of that stuff. And I think that's why I struggle sometimes with Instagram is because number one, I have to wait till the work gets published. And then by the time the client has chosen that the worst image from that shoot and <laughs> put that on the album cover, I don't even like it. So I don't share stuff. Yeah. You know? But really, though, with the hotel, like my long term goal is to be, get back to being a visual artist and to be doing these multimedia projects with kids and people in need, turning that into the abstract work that, that's in me and putting that in the hotel. Like I still. I'm, I will forever be a visual artist and I'll be okay if I don't ever create for a client again. <laughs> Not Nothing against my clients. I'm deeply thankful for client work. In fact, I get to shoot such dream gigs, especially here lately. So I'm always grateful. But at the same time, I know that ultimately I, I'm truly an artist who needs to be doing personal work. It's just it's just hard when you have a family and yeah. you know life, life happens. Yeah. I mean, that's something I've always admired about you is you've done a really good job of you know, being an artist, but taking care of your family first and prioritizing them and not 
just living this dream ideal lifestyle where you quit everything and you move <laughs> to the middle of nowhere and you like paint all day. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's just not the long term yeah. solution. And it's hard to when your kids get older and their lives are, you know, they have their best friends and their community. And so you can't like, I don't know, for me, I can't be that selfish. But like, oh, I'm just going to uproot from my art. And I guess I could, but I don't know. My my kids are they so love their their little world and their friends. Yeah, that I want to support that as much as I can. So that's awesome. Yeah. Now's the point in the show where like I love to ask a few questions that I love to ask. So that was redundant, but let's get into it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, here's one of those questions that I love to ask. Um, the first question I would love to ask is, how would you describe the kind of person that you most admire in the world? That's a great question. Um, I mean, obviously creative. I'm trying to think of all the people. I mean, it's going to be a lot of the things we just talked about, but people who who still love their families, families first, um, people that are humble, people that are genuine, um, people that are, you know. Yesterday I heard that Prince has 39 unreleased studio records. Oh, my and 20, gosh. And 20,000 unreleased songs. No way. I'm so fascinated by that, uh, and the reason I'm getting to that is because, like, I've never necessarily been a Prince fan. I mean, there are a couple songs of his hits that I enjoyed, but I, I, I'm fascinated by people that are that prolific and that creative and that so tuned into their art, but I never want to be so tuned into my art that I'm putting my family and faith aside. Like, there has to be a balance, and I, and I definitely admire the people who are figuring that out. You know, because all the great artists you ever hear about, that always seems like, yeah, they're amazing artists, but man, their their family suffered. Like I recently heard an interview with Picasso's granddaughter, and she had nothing but terrible things to say about wow. Picasso. You know, it kind of hurt. It was like, man, what a great artist, but so sad that he, you know. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just love artists that um, that figure out the balance of work and life, and that live a good life and a healthy life, and that you know are faithful. Uh, I get asked a lot about what one of my most proud of and honestly I'm most proud of like a 100% faithful marriage like 17 years of I mean my wife and I serious I'm not just being cheesy here but we love each other more now than we ever have like we're truly best friends and we've spent more than half of our lives together now um, it's crazy and uh, I have an amazing marriage and that's I'm more proud of that and my commitment to my wife than I am any other thing I've ever done yeah there's no doubt I love that. That's something I've also always admired about you. I recently read, not I guess it was a few years ago, I read the Steve Jobs biography. And I was so fascinated by Steve Jobs. I thought he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it, at the end of the book, I kind of came to this conclusion that we all get to choose our own legacy. Like if you put in the work and you put in the grind, like you can you can be known for whatever you want to be known for. And I think Steve Jobs chose for his legacy to be this company he started. But unfortunately that was, it created, you know, failed relationships in his life between him and his daughter and uh, him and different love interests and his friendships. And that was a trade-off, you know, he, he in some ways intentionally made. Mm -hmm. And I like what you're saying where you're like, my legacy is not going to be my work. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that's kind of an interesting thing to hear because right now, like your work is what a lot of people know you for, Mm -hmm. but, that's not where you kind of are getting your value from. And I think that's really admirable. Yeah. I, I hit a point where, I don't know, I just realized like 
people people see tend to see social media influencers like I even had somebody say this yesterday you're my Michael Jordan like people think that I'm a Michael Jordan of photography but if the photography were the NBA I'm a big NBA fan <laughs> like I wouldn't even be on the all-star team I wouldn't even be a starter probably for any of the NBA teams like the real rock star photographers are shooting every day and they don't have time for social media. Like I mm. can tell you who the real rock stars are in photography and it's not me. And so, um, but I, but I do realize I know what it would take to get there. I know what it would take to be the best photographer in the world. And that literally involves pushing my family aside, you know, and I just got to uh, a point where I'm like, I don't care about that. You know, I don't care to be, you know, whatever, the next Danny Leibowitz. It's not interesting to me. I got enough taste of it to where, like, okay. Like, I don't want to be on my deathbed telling my kids, man, when I shot the Kardashians, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, like, I want to be like, no, I, I, I used what God gave me to do much more um, impactful things that helped people. Like, that's what I want to be talking about. Yeah. So. Man. Anyway, I don't know. Sorry, I don't know what got me on that tangent. No, that's good. That was a yeah. good tangent. <laughs> Shout out to that tangent. Um, I want to ask, my next question is, what are you consuming that you love right now? Man, uh, I, get asked, I get asked that a lot, and I don't read. I love reading, but I don't read because I just literally can't find the time, just like I can't find the time to work out. And I don't watch TV, and I rarely get to watch movies anymore. Um, so... I just listened to this uh, podcast a few weeks ago or a few days ago on my drive called Sounds Good. Stop. You're not, al- you're not allowed to pick my <laughs> let's, podcast. Let's just tell that story. I was, I, <laughs> I was driving to Cincinnati and it was my only like quiet time by myself. And I was like, oh, I'd love to check out Brandon's podcast finally. <laughs> and as I like literally start playing your podcast and it was the one with Jedediah, you text me and you say, hey man, I'd love to have you on my podcast. <laughs> and I was just like freaked out. I was like, what are the chances that I randomly decide to finally listen to your podcast and you text me to be on the podcast? It was crazy. I've got your phone bugged. (laughs) All of your selfies are also (laughs) getting sent straight to me. That's awesome. It really was cool. But um, yeah, I'm trying to to start listening to podcasts more. And by the way, like you're, and I've literally been thinking this, not only is Sounds Good such a perfect podcast name. But the the illustration, like it's also you, like well <laughs> well done on your on your branding for the podcast. So, Thank like, you. The minute I heard it was called Sounds Good, I was like, of course, that's perfect. Like best best podcast name I've heard. Oh, thank yeah, you. It's so great. You know who designed that is uh, Pope Saint Victor. Yeah, yeah, I love it. He's it's, so great. It's perfect, man. I love man. it. Well, <laughs> I can't believe you picked my podcast. <laughs> That's just embarrassing. Well, it's now. true. Like that's literally the last thing I was like consuming in media was your podcast. You and Michael Hyatt and uh, Jeff Walker and uh, gosh, who else? Um, I listened to some of Donald Miller's. Listened to some of Dave Ramsey. All our, you know, all yeah. our, all our fellow Nashville people just trying to learn yeah. about because I've never been a podcast guy. So just totally. just recently, I've started trying to dive into some of them. That's good. Yeah, I find that they're great for traveling, but. Yeah, and I've always been such a music guy. Like, I just mm-hmm. listen to music, and finally, maybe I'm just getting old, but I just realized, like, man, music isn't helping me become a better person. Like, sure, I love it and it inspires me sometimes to be a better artist, but if I'm going to, like, drive for five hours and listen to music, like, why not fill that space with wisdom and learn from people I admire? So, yeah, I'm trying to get into it more. That's great. I think yeah. that's a perfect thought process. Yeah. My last question that I want to ask you is, 
okay, you've done all these things. Um, and I feel like a lot of people want to live a Jeremy Cowart life in some ways, but they probably just wouldn't know where to start. And obviously they're not trying to live a Jeremy Cowart life. They're trying to live their own life the best that they possibly can. Right. But what would you say is like a great first step for somebody right here, right now today? Yeah. I mean, that's obviously a huge, huge question, but I would just ma- say, man, let go of the fear, like let go of the fear. Like if you got a dream, you got to start talking about it and you got to start speaking it. That's all I do. You know, I wasn't born with, you know, talent and ideas and vision. In fact, I remember at the age of 28 years old telling a hero of mine, cause he was talking about how many ideas he had ideas for days. And I just remember in that moment thinking, I will never be you. I don't have any ideas. I've never been an idea person. I will never be you. And that was literally 10 years ago. Um, And here I am 10 years later, and I am in his exact seat. I have so many ideas now. Like, literally, I can't keep up with my own ideas. And I don't say that to sound like some genius or whatever. I say that to say that if I can get to this place then anybody can because it's all about momentum right it's all like once you once you take that first step you're like oh that was easy i'm gonna take the second step oh that was really easy let me take the third and it's been that's just been it for me it's just momentum just speaking my ideas start talking to friends you know connecting how can you help me can you help me finding the right team team members knowing knowing your strengths but more importantly really knowing your weaknesses like i am keenly aware of all the things i suck at and I'm really good at finding the people that are good at the things that I suck at and and I build teams. And um, I'd be nowhere without the, the my business manager and Kyle Chowning, who helps me with so much. And, um, yeah, I just find people to fill in the gaps, and we just start, start walking. Dude, so. that's so amazing. I love that. Let go of fear, know your strengths, know your weaknesses. That's great. Jeremy, if people want to find out more about the Purpose Hotel and if they want to find out more about your work and your social media and like where can people find you? Yeah, I'm uh, at Jeremy Carrot on all the social networks. Uh, I have about, I think, two followers on Snapchat, so definitely go find me there. You can can be my lucky third. Um, I'm just kidding. I don't use Snapchat. Maybe I will soon with Brandon's help. I'll talk him into it, you guys. Yeah. At Jeremy Coward, uh, jeremycoward.com, cuniversity.com, uh, wholeportrait.com. But uh, I think this will be live during our Kickstarter, so thepurposehotel.com. I don't know what the Kickstarter address will be yet, but uh, definitely go search us out. We oh, I have are, no doubt I'll be tweeting it. Yeah, we are literally trying to change the world with that project. I'm really pumped. Dude. So good. Awesome. <laughs> well, Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the show. I've admired you for so long, and I'm so glad that I get to share about uh, all the things that I love about you on this show. So. Ditto, man. I'm, I'm seriously an admirer. I love all that you're doing, speaking such positivity into people's lives. Uh, I know you have a massive audience on Snapchat and <laughs> Instagram, and it's so cool to see someone like you um, doing what you're doing, and I'm seriously always inspired, so keep it up. Dude, thanks so much, man. All well, right, man. see ya. All right. Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey is part of the Gradient Podcast Network and is created in collaboration between me, Brandon Harvey, and Gradient. Find them on Facebook and Twitter at gradient.is. That's gradient, D-O-T-I-S. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. 
If you enjoyed the conversation, make sure you hit subscribe so that new conversations with incredible people pop up on your phone as soon as they're live. If you want to tweet, Instagram, or Snapchat me, feel free to reach out at at Brandon Harvey everywhere. And you can learn more about me and sign up for my newsletter at brandonharvey.com. And seriously, Jeremy's Kickstarter launches in two weeks. You're not going to want to miss this. I have no doubt that Jeremy and I will be tweeting and sharing about it at a ton, so just stay tuned. And that's it for this week's episode. I'll see you next week when we get the opportunity to learn from another incredible and inspiring person. Sound good?